1: Hello and welcome back to Road of His Overtime on Road of His Radio brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland and as always I am joined by Sean Siegel, my co-host here on the Road of His Overtime podcast. But we are also, Sean, we teased this on our shows earlier this week. We are delighted to be joined by JJ Zacharyston. A lot of our listeners will be well familiar with his Twitter handle already, but it is at LitRoundQB. And of course, recently launched late round.com in terms of uh you know branching out on his own so we're excited to find out more about that later in the show from jj himself but uh one of the best follows i think on on twitter i think if you're not following him already uh, do that now even while listening to the show pause the show go click that button but um you'll also get a lot of east coast dad information coming from jj and i find uh jj i'm even more east coast than uh guys on the East Coast when you come with the five hour time difference over yeah. here in Ireland. Yeah, so
2: yeah, you gotta uh, brand that somehow, man. You gotta yeah. to try to try to get some swag out there for <laughs>
1: us. But uh, we won't step on your toes, don't worry. But yeah, it's fantastic to have you on the show. Thanks for jumping on to talk with us. But uh, yeah, really excited to to talk to you today. So thanks for jumping on.
3: Yeah, of course. It's always great talking to both of you guys. Well, JJ, I know that the first thing we have to do when we have you on is ask you about quarterbacks. And sure. I'm sure that sometimes a little bit like when I go on shows and talk about zero, RB, you're like, anything else, anything else. But this was a fun season that just concluded in terms of all of the different ways that the quarterback performances played out. And when you were on Stealing Bananas last fall, we kind of grilled you on this idea of late round QB and was it dead? And we have these new stars and we have more depth of stars at the top. We've got these guys now who both throw the ball really well and run really well, and having some exposure to those players can definitely be very helpful, especially because now you don't have to pay first and second round prices. You know, still fifth and sixth round can be a pretty significant cost compared to some of the other guys, but it brings that into the equation a little bit more. And and you mentioned those things on the show and said, you know, look, we've moved some from when I first was providing people research on this topic. But then... 2021 happened. Joe Burrow, you know, he was really the big winner, at least in tournaments. He was the guy on the FFPC main event champion. He was the QB for the top three finishers in the FFP. Best ball. But At the same time, we saw some of those rookies that I think everybody was excited about. Saw them struggle. Justin Fields' performance contributing to his coach getting fired. Trey Lance fails to earn the starting job. You know, What should we be taking from the 2021 QB performances big picture?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that you could really look at the quarterback position from 2021 and say that any approach you took technically had some wins, right? I mean, there were some losses with 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 any approach, but there were also wins. You know, you mentioned Joe Burrow, probably the more quintessential late-round quarterback this past year, and obviously did very, very well when we needed him most, uh, you know, in the playoffs. But, uh, you know, at the same time, the way I sort of viewed uh, quarterbacks, like, let's say in the... 2012 to 2016, 2017, 2018 uh year range, uh, was that it was really like a binary thing. Like you're either getting a quarterback early, which at the time was more so like third, fourth round, as opposed to now you're getting these guys in the fifth and sixth. Uh, you're either getting them early or you're just not getting them at all, and you're waiting forever and ever. Uh, and you're potentially streaming too, which was a lot more viable back then as well. Um, and so, but but this past year, entering the, the season, it seemed like there were uh, more tiers involved as opposed to this like binary look uh, you know, between uh, the the two groups of quarterbacks where uh, you know, you had these like, yes, you had your elite guys last year that, you know, the Josh Allen's of the world, but you also had like a Jalen hurts who wasn't necessarily, you know, in the, the Joe burrow range and wasn't necessarily uh, a later, later round pick or uh, but he was still someone who was not quite in that elite tier, but you can make the argument for, because of the rushing upside. And so, You know, again, you can make the argument that a lot of these different approaches were successful. You know, the one thing I think I talked about the last time I was talking to you guys is is the fact that, um, you know, quarterback predictability uh, was very, very, very strong in 2020. And what I mean by predictability is preseason ADP versus postseason result. How good were we at predicting who the best quarterbacks were? And for the first time in a while... We finally have, have seen over the last couple of years now, but definitely last year, we could see it going into the season that the market was way more efficient than it's ever been. And a main reason for that is because people were finally valuing the rushing component properly. And then on top of that, you finally had these like true unicorn quarterbacks who not only were like doing things like Cam Newton used to do, you know, during his MVP season, but they were also doing things through the air. That we hadn't seen that combination really happen before so that started a couple of years ago and then last year is very obvious that it was happening but the, the the reason why early round quarterbacks weren't as successful in my opinion uh from 2020 to 2021 because they were unbelievable in 2020 the edge that they were giving you on a points per game basis the, the difference i think in 2021 was that a lot of the regression across the league on a league-wide trend standpoint that we saw likely happening happened, uh, you know, to some degree, where passing wasn't as efficient. You know, I think a lot of it had to do with um, no, there were there were fans in the stands, so opposing teams couldn't ha- dictate as much at the line of scrimmage. Uh, and then on top of that, holding calls went sort of reverted back to how they were, whereas that season they weren't calling as many on offense, so offensive drives were able to to continue um, and they were able to sustain longer drives. And so I think there were a lot of like reasons why the 2020 season look the way that it did it's sort of like how we saw a spike after the near lockout season back in like what, 2011, 2012 or so, where uh, we didn't get a lot of practice in with defenses and offenses knew what they were doing. And so the front half of the season was really loaded with, with big spikes and passing numbers. And then sort of evened out towards the end of the season. Um, and so I, you know, I, I sort of view uh, from a, from a very high level, uh, we saw that regression hit, but at the same time, the predictability aspect was still there the good quarterbacks the elite quarterbacks uh were still the guys who were finishing at the top of the list they just weren't giving you quite the edge that we saw in 2020 and i think that that's why you know like i said you could you could look at each of these tiers and say this approach worked this approach worked this approach worked um, but at the end of the day it was just more so like a this scattered way of, of uh, looking at the quarterback position that we really haven't seen in a really long time. It seems like every year, you know, there's a large chunk of, of years where it was just very obvious that the late round quarterback strategy was like the way to go. And you could stream a QB six in points per game, like fairly easily. Uh, that's just not the case anymore because these guys are truly elite and giving you uh, some sort of edge. It's just that that edge wasn't as significant as what we saw in 2020.
3: With a sort of quick digression here to think about some of those rushing QBs, maybe the upside that Fields and Lance will have going forward, but also how their struggles last year sort of reflect on this current incoming class. Obviously, people are very uh, obsessed with, excited about the new rookies and how that's going to impact their super flex drafts and all of that type of thing. The rookie quarterbacks are not projected to be elite prospects this season, and yet we could have four or five drafted fairly early. Obviously, NFL teams always needing these quarterbacks. And all of those guys bring some rushing value to the table. So even if they're not the elite prospects that we sometimes see, the hits seem like they're going to be still very valuable. At the same time, are we going to have a chilling effect with these guys, even with the potential rushing value, based on what last year uh, transpired with those big names. We always see a reaction to the previous year. How is that going to affect us this year?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I think we're definitely going to see a reaction. Not, not only because the quarterback class just in general has the stigma slash probably is just worse than what we had uh, last season. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I, I think in hindsight, you know, I was someone who was into, uh, definitely into... Uh, both uh, Justin Fields and Trey Lance in redraft and obviously in dynasty. But, you know, I was into them in redraft, especially if I was in a league where it didn't really matter if they didn't fully pan out. Uh, It was fine. It wasn't that big of a deal. Uh, But, you know, there's obviously some leagues, like if you're in a deeper format, it was a little bit harder, uh, a tougher pill to swallow uh, if those guys just didn't hit, which they didn't really hit. Um, So I, I think though, like in hindsight, looking at how we all approached Fields and Lance in particular last year um, I think that we were, I say we, I mean, I'm not like throwing you guys under the bus or me under the bus or anything like that. I mean, we all like were are we into them to some degree. Um, I think that it was just aggressive the, the way that we were approaching. I think that we should have picked and choose our battles. I mean, like, I think in like your home league, it was fine to get a Trey Lance because it's easily replaceable. But if you're in a high stakes league where rosters are really deep, it's just going to be a lot more difficult to replace that. And the opportunity cost was still relatively high. And then, you know, I sat back and I thought about this. Uh, when I was going through the th- I do a show every year on my podcast on the things that I missed, just because I like to go through the process and see if I was really an idiot or not. Usually, I was just an idiot. Uh, and you know with with uh, regard to to the rookie quarterbacks, because again, I was into them. But with regard to them, uh, I, I think that one really easy thing that we could have done and we probably should have done, was look at Lamar Jackson's rookie season and and look at what he did as a rookie when he got, to be the starter. And he was averaging like 18, 19 points per game. And he was fine. Like he was still a low end QB one, but were we really expecting, or should we have expected a Trey Lance or a Justin Fields to like far exceed that? Because we knew that they were going to have to far exceed that. I mean, you know, by two or three points per game in order to be like very, in order to be a true difference maker at the, at the quarterback position. Right. And so I started to think about that. I was like, man, I I really wish I would have had that just like general thought before last season and I probably wouldn't have been uh as aggressive in some formats going after a Trey Lance or Justin Fields and I think moving forward I think we should react negatively to what happened in 2020 or 2021 rather just because you know we have a lot of data showing and supporting that rookie quarterbacks aren't necessarily uh the best fantasy assets I mean you're going to have stretches and you're going to have you know, Deshaun Watson comes to mind before he got injured his rookie season, where you're going to have stretches where these guys have an opportunity to really shine and, and be great. But you're also then banking on the fact that that player that you just happen to be getting is indeed that elite of an asset. So the way that I sort of see it is it's going to be league dependent. It's going to be a uh, uh, team specific. If you have deeper rosters where it's a lot more difficult to make up for that mistake, because let's be honest, the hit rate is probably not going to be that high, uh, then, you know I'd probably shy away from just going after those rookies and go after, um you know, like a maybe a pocket passer, but hopefully more of a mobile a dual threat guy. um and, and then, if I'm in more of a casual league where I know that you know Matthew Stafford's going to be on the waiver wire or something like that, it's a lot easier to just go after a rookie and just say, yeah, sure. Let's just say if, if see if Malik is is great and and ends up hitting,
1: yeah, I think as well. you mentioned a couple of things there that tie together. I think. Last year, we also seen more rookie quarterbacks sitting than we had, you know, early in the season, and um, that led obviously to a good uh, comparison that you made with Lamar Jackson, who didn't start immediately, and obviously that limited the upside. Myself and Sean did have Trey Lance in our FFPC main events, so when you're looking at those high stakes, and then we kind of sat with them all season at that point. But we also like in the preseason, you're looking at the upside, and I think the other part that could tie in is the rushing upside of some of these rookies that were coming in so even if they didn't do a lot you know throwing the ball we thought that was going to work on the ground so there's a couple of things I think over the last two to three years with how rookies have done straight off the bat that probably all transpired together to make us kind of to feel that way overall Uh, again I talked about the FFPC and obviously we have underdog and different uh, sites like that we are currently drafting much too early I guess uh, in terms of best ball leagues but, you know, looking at the landscape and the the reflection of how things might change from last year to this year, are there any quarterbacks that you think that might fall into that, you know, prototypical late-round quarterback mold that could be extremely positive values in 2022?
2: Yeah, you know, I sort of see 2022 similarly as 2021 in that there's not that binary look to this group. I mean, yes, there's this, like, elite group of, like, six guys or so that, uh, you know, will be uh, drafted relatively early. And again, you know, as Sean alluded to at the start, like the goalposts have definitely moved like back, back whenever I wrote the the later round quarterback ebook in 2012, it was like, yeah, if you're getting your quarterback in the eighth round, that's late. Right. Uh, and and now it's just a completely different beast, uh, in general, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think that there's still a lot of viable quarterbacks that have, you know, top eight, top six ceilings that you can get later ish, but I, I do still view Uh, they're still being like tears. Like I'm going to be into Justin Fields and Trey Lance this year. There's, there's no doubt about it. Um, but they're not necessarily like going to be late, late guys or, or how someone might define what a late round quarterback is, but there's still like some, I mean, like, like guys who burned us this year who were relatively high in ADP, uh, that are dropping in ADP as a result, two guys really jumped to mind. One being Russell Wilson, um, for obvious reasons. I mean, he's someone who we've seen have a backbone and be able to uh, sustain a high touchdown rate and be really efficient. Um, But the other guy that I'm kind of intrigued by is Ryan Tannehill. Um, And it's, it's not so much because I think he's uh, this magical quarterback and incredibly good, but I think that he uh, does have that cheat code element to, to fantasy where, you know, we have three years now of Tannehill being, the starter in Tennessee and each of those seasons, he's shown that he can score touchdowns on the ground. He has four, seven and seven rushing touchdowns this past year. You know, you can make easy excuses for a guy like Tannehill and that uh, he had injuries all around his team, including, you know, obviously Derek Henry, but uh, including AJ Brown and Julio Jones. I mean, he's throwing the ball to Nick Westbrook, Aquina as his, as his number one uh, wide receiver. Like what are we really expecting from Tannehill with that? I mean, we know the importance of wide receiver. Like this is something that we talk about all the time. And, and so, uh, and then Tannehill's touchdown rate, which was a little bit inflated, you know, his first couple of seasons, uh, and obviously the coaching change happened too, but uh, you know, his touchdown rate was a little bit inflated the first couple of seasons and this past year it was 4%. And that's something that, that, that it was an overcorrection uh, from a touchdown rate standpoint. That's typically uh, one of the metrics that, that, I mean, it's a very basic metric, but it's one of the metrics that can help us just spot regression. And uh, a lot of times people are overreactive to what a player does the previous season, uh, based on that touchdown rate number. And so if that does positively regress in some way, uh, you know, and Tannehill obviously is already giving us, uh, what he can do on the ground, you know, let's hope that the rumors aren't true with Aaron Rodgers uh, potentially going to Tennessee and taking Ryan Tannehill's job. Uh, but if Tannehill is the starter next year, which I think we should probably bank on, uh, you know, I think that he's at least intriguing as like a, a, a fairly late option, uh, just because he burned so many people this past year.
1: Yeah, he feels he always for me feels a little bit like a I guess a mans uh, Josh Allen, and I think you mentioned you know the likes of Trey Lance and um, you know Justin Fields, and it feels like this year there should be a little bit of a discount. I think what happened in twenty twenty one was we seen the jump that Josh Allen took in twenty twenty, and we were kind of almost pricing and uh, these guys could get similar production to him. I think we've seen that push up ADP. Do you think we're going to see ADP? As high for quarterbacks this year? Do you think we'll see maybe people who did get a little bit burned and we had, you know, guys going in the the top five rounds as well that didn't really produce to the the extent that people might have been expecting? So do, do you think there'll be a regression there with ADP?
2: Yeah, my, my hope, honestly, is that we're going to see people overcorrect uh, the pocket passer situation. And what I mean by that is, you know, guys like like if you look at what happened and and part of the reason why there was a lot of stability in preseason ADP versus postseason result at the quarterback position this year, part of the reason wasn't just the fact that like, yeah, Josh Allen and Kyler Murray and these guys all had good seasons, but uh, also the, the the pocket passers who we liked going into the season uh, ended up doing well, like Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Um, and so if those pocket passers, uh, or so, so because of that, I think a lot of people are going to probably I'm hoping over uh, emphasize and, and over inflate uh, the uh, ability slash the consistency and how many fantasy points these pocket passers can give you. And maybe that inherently just slides down some of those more dual threat guys. And we get some discount as we get, especially as we get like closer to, July and August when more casual people are drafting because they're going to be more inclined to take a guy like Stafford or to take a guy like Aaron Rodgers uh, just because of their their names and their name values. So I think that there's definitely a chance that we see, uh, you know, guys like Fields and Lance who, you know, people who have bought into uh, the cheat code element of the quarterback position will obviously want to buy into Justin Fields and Trey Lance. But I think that there's still this like sort of like safety blanket uh, notion with a lot of the pocket passers when yeah, I mean, like I understand there should be to some degree, but a lot of them just did really well this year. It just so happens that I, I think variants hit cr- like favorably for for those players.
1: Hey, RotoViz fans,
2: this is Dave Cabin from the RotoViz Fantasy Football Podcast, taking a minute to let you know that as a loyal RotoViz listener, you can get 10% off a
0: one year subscription when you use the promo code RVRadio2022 at checkout. It gives you full access to all of our content and tools. And again, that's RVRadio2022 at checkout for 10% off
2: a one year RotoViz subscription.
3: I'd love to hear you mention Ryan Tannehill there, the first draft that Blair Andrews and I were doing in the never too early best ball there with the FFPC. We got to that 10-11 turn and we had a couple of rookie wide receivers that we don't expect to uh, be there anywhere near that late in the near future. So we were banking on or hoping that we would have a quarterback come back around to us in round 12 because we know – based on all the great stuff that Mike Ears has done in the best ball workshop, that type of thing, that we have this QB window. We really want to get that second QB within that range before we get too low. And we're starting to rely on these guys who could easily bust and hurt your best ball team. And we're thinking who could come back, who could come back and Ryan Tannehill did there at the 12, 12 as the QB 20, which again, I mean, you mentioned, if you look at his recent seasons without that, time period where he's having to throw to those extreme backups. I mean, he should be going not significantly earlier, but enough earlier that I think you feel very excited about the value there. But JJ, we're going to now move into kind of this draft angle. And I mentioned those two wide receivers. One of them was Drake London. I'm interested to get your take on this because you said something again on that ceiling banana show that was so good uh, last year where you mentioned that you like these big, wide receiver prospects when you're looking for the really potentially elite guys and that doesn't obviously eliminate someone like a jamar chase but you you'd love to have these big guys over the really small guys especially the big guys who are good and so that brings me to this question that you know the fantasy douche would be very very happy to hear that that was one of his key points and especially even from a reality perspective how important that is for the reality teams even more maybe than for our fantasy teams but the 2022 class has a couple of options sort of in that category, including some plus size potential first rounders like Traylon Burks and Drake London. These guys are also two of the more productive players in this class, although London obviously had the breakout there curtailed a little bit by injury. Do you have an early wide receiver favorite from this group? It Again, this class isn't expected to be as good as either last year's or next year's but we're seeing a lot of wide receivers projected in the reality first round.
2: Yeah. Yeah, we are. You know, I don't think the the class is, is that bad in total. Um, and, and I agree with the, the train, I mean, Burke's his, his profile and his size and what he'll likely, uh, measure at and, and all that. I mean, it, it's just, it's wild. I mean, we haven't really seen, uh, a player like this in, in some time. I mean, maybe, maybe you can make the argument that like AJ Brown was sort of along these lines but he has better you know Burks is better production than Brown did partially because of the the DK Metcalf situation um and, and he's taller he's just bigger um but still i mean it's just he's a, he's a freak freak prospect now you know you mentioned like the size thing and and i will say in my prospect model that i that i work out of uh size doesn't really matter at all in the prospect model from a i mean there's thresholds that i like uh, wide receivers to hit uh, but the model doesn't necessarily care about size that much. And I think a lot of that is because it's looking at a very, very large sample. And across a large sample, um, you know, you're looking more at like median outcomes as opposed to the, the high range outcomes. And, you know, this is one of the reasons why, uh, you know, my model loved Elijah Moore uh, last season, for instance, uh, And you know, Elijah Moore coming out. He was not the biggest dude in the world. And I, I loved Elijah Moore, too. Don't get me wrong. Like I have him across leagues and it's, I'm excited about him. Uh, but the, the, you know, the way that I, and, and this is, this is more of a miss than a hit from an analysis standpoint, but the way that I sort of view these guys is if a guy is going to be typecasted to being a slot guy, which that was a possibility with Elijah Moore, uh, after he was drafted this past year, um, you know, I, I worry about what that ceiling's truly going to look like. You know, it's not like, uh, like a, a Cooper cup journey happens very often at all. Um, And if you look at the top of, of dynasty rankings and in the way that wide receivers appreciate, like, yes, slot guys are going to get you and can get you, uh, you know, elite, an elite season here and there and and very strong production, but it's going to be really difficult for them to consistently be, uh, you know, at the top of rankings list and, and dynasty rankings list and be, you know, a top three or four wide receiver. And so that naturally just the way that the game and the way that coaches utilize these guys, it just naturally comes with size, right? Like not a lot of like, X receivers are tiny and not a lot of slot guys are massive. I mean, a lot of, uh, I always say that a lot of guys that play the perimeter can go inside, but guys who are playing inside can't always just go outside. It just doesn't work that way. Um, And so, you know, that's why both London and Burks are, are uh, looking good so far. I mean, London's profile is really uh, insane with the way that, that he produced at such a young age and with, with great competition too. And then I think there's like the safety, like in that same tier as them uh, with Garrett Wilson, like his, his his numbers also performing with uh you know strong wide receivers in his offense um uh you know he had a really really good one of the big metrics that I know Rodavis has, has utilized for years and that my model utilizes is uh, yards per team pass attempt uh and his best season yards per team pass attempt is one of the best in the class and that's while playing with tough competition early declare you can check that box um and so you know he's going to have good draft capital too I think a lot of mocks. Have had him as the wide receiver one so far in this class, um, and so you know, if, it, I think we're going to. I, I think it's logical to throw Wilson in that elite group, but yeah, I'm really, really into to Burks and London. And Then, if there's a small guy that I'm into, like you know, just 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 to to go off the beaten path a little bit, Sky Moore, man. I mean, he his his production profile uh, is is pretty incredible. He's it's almost like a diet Tyler Lockett uh, look. Uh, With his production profile, it's very, very difficult to match what Tyler Lockett did in college and his efficiency. But uh, you know, Sky Moore, not a big school, not a big program. Uh, That's obviously uh, a little risky and scary. But um, you know, he's a smaller, smaller in size, but he's a little bit thick. So we don't have to. uh, We're not like looking at like a Marquise Brown situation or anything like that. I mean, he's 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 thicker than even what we saw out of like Elijah Moore last year. Um, And and he had really, really good college production, uh, really good marks across the board, which we should expect from a smaller school. Um, But We've seen guys like him hit, you know, like I said, you had like a Tyler Lockett semi comp, but the, the lower end that you do fear a little bit is that we get like a, and you know, the, 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 we'll, we'll see what happens with Rondell Moore, but you know, it could end up being a a Rondell Moore type situation too, because he's a, another guy who, who comps at least somewhat to him. But uh, I think Sky Moore is at least just very, very fun. If I were to not go, you know, the, the bigger bodied route.
1: Yeah, he's somebody as well that I've seen uh, Pat and uh, Ben and Pete talk about over the last week or so, so a fun player. You also mentioned Rondell Moore there, so let's hope that year two works out better wow. than year one. Yeah. It, it got off to a nice start, but it, it really disintegrated very rapidly after that, yeah. so hopefully it, uh, we, we get some hope in, in year two. Um, we did touch a little bit on the the rookie quarterback look, but heading into the draft, and It had been talked, you know, for dynasty players will be talking about this draft over the last 12 months that it, you know, isn't deep and there isn't a lot of great opportunities there. But, you know, the closer we get to the draft and we're, we're already, you know, a month or a month and a half out and it's going to, the buzz is going to continue to increase for these guys. And at the moment, we're going to see a lot of quarterbacks and wide receivers going in round one of the reality draft and then we'll have some second round running backs thrown into the mix starting to look and maybe this happens as most years but it is starting to feel like this class is deeper than a lot of people are had anticipated and especially as it would relate to super flex do you feel that it's kind of in that mold where it's a little bit deeper and do you think the hype is just going to get higher as we get closer to the draft as well
2: yeah i mean i feel like this always happens right always like, happens. like the, the, di- the dynasty community will fade a, a class and this was the the class you know especially because of what's what's potentially happening next year and um, people being really excited about 2023. So the the notion is let's just sell all our 2022 picks and get 2023 picks and put a premium on them and honestly uh, allow others to acquire 2022 picks uh, fairly easily, you know, all things considered. The way I sort of see this class is like it's a worse version of the 2020 class um, where we had a really, really good one. Wa- I mean, 2020 class was amazing. Uh, where we had really, really good running backs, really, really good wide receivers. Uh, it's just a worse version of that, in my opinion, where maybe the depth isn't quite as there. I think the running backs, you're not going to see as, as high-end talent like we saw that season. Um, but then, you know, you can sort of look at the quarterback position, like Justin Herbert sort of being this, like, highly volatile, people don't really know what they're getting out of, out of him guy, and you can compare that to Malik in a way. Um, obviously, totally different types of quarterbacks. But then you get, like, the Joe Burrow, Kenny Pickett, comp that is going to naturally get thrown around because of their last season production and coming out as older quarterbacks. So I sort of see it as like, like I, you definitely cannot sit there and say it's close to that class because that class was was epically good. Um, but I do think that it's sort of like a worse version of that. There's going to be players that come out of it um, that are really, really strong. I mean, I, I, I think that fading general consensus about draft classes in dynasty in general is, is a, is a good approach. Um, you know, we see it all the time. The 2019 wide receiver class really comes to mind where, I mean, analytically it did not look that great. I mean, I'm not going to you know, shy away from that, but, uh, you know, the results still looked pretty decent. Um, and, and, you know, even still, I, I, think there were still good players in that draft just naturally and in general. So, um, you know, you, you have to definitely look at what the real NFL draft is doing and how teams are valuing these players because it's free evaluation. That's why draft capital is part of my model. It's why draft capital matters. It's, It's not just these guys might get opportunity early on in their careers, and that's great. It's also guys, these teams have millions and millions of dollars scouting these players. We can't be so arrogant to sit and do box score scouting the way that we do and say, oh, no, they're totally – I mean, yeah, they do dumb things. Don't get me wrong. But we can't just sit here and be like, oh, no, they're totally wrong. They shouldn't be doing this. They shouldn't be doing this just because, you know, our spreadsheets are saying one thing. And, you know, I try to keep that open mind throughout the draft
3: process. Well, it is good of you to say keeping the open mind and and... (laughs) – Not criticizing the Reality Geo's too heavily (laughs) Not
2: too much. I mean, we can can do it a little bit, but not too, too much.
3: Well, JJ, before we get um, just sort of the preview from you of what your new venture is going to be like and excited to share that with all of the listeners, kind of close us out here by giving us like the one big trend or development or takeaway from 2021 that now is going to be important In 2022, is there some specific element that we should really learn and improve our games in 2022, either from a big picture or specifically on some type of tactic that will make us better and allow us to win 2022 leagues?
2: Yeah, I mean, you guys know I'm a big structural drafter. I, I love strategy. That's really my bread and butter with this stuff, and I love analyzing the game that way. But I actually think that this season is going to be all about fading specific or people, fading specific players for really unnecessary reasons because of what we saw in 2021 uh, with a lot of those early round draft picks busting, getting hurt. You know, Calvin Ridley sitting out the season, and Christian McCaffrey getting injured, and you know uh, Saquon Barkley busting slash getting her. I mean, the list goes on and on with what happened with those early round guys. And I think, you know, this is a general thing that you should do. Most seasons is, is uh, just naturally uh, fade what the public is doing in terms of like individual player analysis like that. Uh, but I think we're just going to see that on a more, on, on a grander scale uh, in 2022, because of how wacky and wild uh, the, the early rounds were uh, this past season. So you know, less of a strategy takeaway. You know, I, I try my best to not really, I don't really, really have to try hard to do it. I, I, I don't really have uh season to season, like drastically different takes on strategy and stuff because strategy is there so that you don't have to do that. Right. Like strategy is there because it's consistent and it's, it's your ability to uh, look at the landscape uh, and, and be able to provide some sort of process to allow you to hit year over year over year. And like, Things like the running back dead zone. It was alive and well last year, and that'll still be alive and well this year. Things like uh, the tight end dead zone, same deal. You know, drafting quarterbacks later or or uh, getting an elite guy, and not really going after middle. I mean, you know, there's, there's strategies that have worked year over year over year because the market reacts and, and works in a very similar way year over year. And I think it's easy to overstate sort of, how drastically the game of football can change in one season. Yes, there's going to be blips here and there, but things regress. Like we know that and defenses adjust or, uh, you know, the rules are different like we saw in 2020 to 2021. Um, And so I do think this year more than most years, though, we're going to see a lot of people just unnecessarily fading specific players who are very, very elite. And I think like one guy who pops to mind is very obvious is someone like Christian McCaffrey. Um, And so I think just like looking into that a little bit deeper than normal is definitely something that I'm going to try to do.
1: Yeah I think it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out over the course of the season and you know we talked last year about Christian McCaffrey a lot in the offseason we didn't get many 101 selections Sean in the drafts we did for Rotoviz OT but yeah you know if you want to get into fading the 101 again I guess we'll, like that's where we're going with and Christian McCaffrey somebody that I think will still be a, a superb player this coming season. Speaking of this coming season JJ you're taking the step, you've kind of branched out on your own and uh, mentioned at the start, late round.com for anyone who's watching this on or listening on the, the Road of his podcast feed, you'll be able to see JJ's new sweet uh, setup he has for his, his video recordings in the background if you check it out on the, the YouTube channel. But a uh, super, super looking background and everything, JJ. But wishing you the best luck for your upcoming venture. But uh, do you want to let the listeners uh, end on some of the information?
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, I really sort of approached it um, in a in a pretty simplistic way. I wasn't trying to make some convoluted business plan and and handle everything on my own uh that way. Uh, but you know, I'll have a prospect guide, which is essentially my, me breaking down my model. Um, and it's a PDF downloadable that I'm that I'm selling. Uh, but it's me breaking down my model and, and talking through um, you know, this this year's class. But also uh I built what I call a year two model, which is just uh, a look at how a player performed during his rookie season. Um, And associating that with his prospect score, um, and looking at so you know the 2021 draft class and seeing uh, what their hit rates look like in years two and three. So that's all part of the prospect guide. Have a season long guide later in the in the summer, you know, in like June or so. Um, And then I have a Patreon and then my podcast as well. So it's really really simple. Just selling a couple guides, doing the Patreon thing, and then the late round podcast is still alive and well.
1: Yeah, make sure you check out the lit round podcast. And of course I mentioned at the start, following JJ on Twitter. It's at Lit Round QB. You'll get amazing advice there throughout the uh throughout the season, throughout the offseason. Of course, you mentioned the Patreon. So check out everything JJ's doing there. Quickest way to find it is on his Twitter handle. But JJ, it's been awesome to have you on the the show. And uh thank you for jumping aboard.
2: Yeah, thanks, guys. Always love talking to you.
1: Before we finish up, as always, you can get yourself a 10% discount to Rotoviz NFL pass just by using the code RBRadio2022 at checkout, or you can go to roteviz.com forward slash podcast for more information. We will be back on Saturday as we preview the Super Bowl and give you our predictions for who we think will win. If you listen to our previews earlier this week, you may have a, a feeling as to which way we are leaning on that one. We may be a little bit biased at this point of the season based on how the NFL season went overall. But I guess with that in mind, all that's left to say is my name is Colum Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtim Ireland. And my co-host as always is Sean Siegel. Check out Sean's work up on rotoviz.com. And until we're back on Saturday, have a good one.